Season two of Cook Tracks is made possible with the help of Vertex Pharmaceuticals. For decades, Vertex Pharmaceuticals has been inspired by and working hard for the cystic fibrosis community, also known as the CF community. CookTracks has partnered with Vertex and a CF nutritionist to create meals that meet the dietary needs of people living with CF. These recipes can also be enjoyed by the whole family. To learn more about Vertex and cystic fibrosis, visit www.vrtx.com. And to find additional recipes that the whole family can enjoy, visit the CF Kitchen at www.everyday-cf.com. Vertex, we thank you for going the distance for CF. So I'm turning around again. I'm stirring this pot up a little bit. The Tunisian curry is looking pretty good. Everybody, I'm Rach, Rachel Ray, and you're listening to Cook Tracks. It's a brand new, super cool way to cook. Each episode will be right alongside you. Well, kind of, we'll be in your ear, taking you step by step through a dish or a meal in real time. We'll be adding a little pinch of tips, tricks, and fun stories to keep you guys entertained and up your cooking game. Needless to say, we've got your back in the kitchen. I mean it, guys. You literally don't have to worry about a thing. I'm going to keep you on track with my buddy, Cappy. Think of him as our kind of play-by-play announcer for the cook-along. And since not all stoves are created equal, boy, do I know that. If you guys get a little caught up, just hit pause. You don't have to read a recipe, and it isn't rocket science. This is not something you're supposed to take seriously. We want you guys to have fun. Follow along, and at the end of each episode, we'll have made a dish or a meal from start to finish together. Gather up your ingredients, pour yourself a drink or a cup of tea, and turn your volume up to 11. This is Cook Tracks. For this episode, we've got a James Beard award-winning chef out of Chicago. You guys may have even caught him in the last issue of Rachel Ray in Season Magazine, because I have excellent taste. This super talented chef Zach, Zach Angle, is the chef and owner of Galit Restaurant. Galit has been called a Middle Eastern masterpiece by the Chicago Tribune. And you know what? If you don't have any luck scoring a reservation there, you can try cooking this up for yourselves. Fried fish with a Tunisian curry sauce. And if that's not enough, head on over to cooktracks.com for two more dipping sauces from Zach. Let's talk prep work. You can keep on listening to this episode, but if you go to your episode notes on your device or cooktracks.com, you'll find the ingredients and equipment list that you need to cook along with us. Cappy's in the kitchen with Zach. Take it away, Cap. All right, everyone, here in the kitchen with Chef Zach Engel of Galit Restaurant in Chicago, as Rachel just said. Chef, tell us what we're making today. Today, we are making a home-cooked version of a dish that we have on the menu here at Galit, and it is a fried fish with a Tunisian curry sauce and avocado labneh. And I could speak from experience because I've had this dish multiple times in your restaurant, and it's A+. plus. Thank you. But you, in the restaurant, you serve it. There's three different sauces, right? There's three different sauces. And we're, make, we're making... We're making two of those. We're making two of them, and we're going to put the third one online at cooktracks.com for the people at home to attack by themselves in their own kitchen. All right. 
So let's start with a roll call of ingredients. So we, Chef will tell you what you should have in front of you before we get cooking. Yeah, so we've got about 12 to 16 ounces of catfish. You can also use tilapia. I've got it uh, broken down into slices, little one to two inch chunks. I personally like to share my food with others. And so I find it easier a little bit too to fry them separately. We've got for our dredge, we've got our all-purpose flour, cornstarch, cornmeal, salt, sugar, and a little bit of ground turmeric. And for our Tunisian curry sauce, we've got our oil, our garlic cloves that are minced up, um, and then all of our spices, our paprika, cayenne pepper, caraway seeds, cumin, coriander, our tomato paste, and our water and a little bit of salt for seasoning. Excellent. And then people can have the canola oil to do the pan for frying the fry. of the fish. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of two cups of canola oil for the for the pan, uh, depending on what size pan you're using. You can also use a tabletop deep fryer. Oh, if you've got one. Yeah. It's also very easy. Awesome. All right. So. If you are missing any of those ingredients or need to run to the pantry to grab any, you feel free to hit pause. If not, we're gonna get going first with the Tunisian curry. This dish is kind of inspired by a lot of different things. For me, I grew up in the South, and so I love fried fish. Uh, and we're kind of taking a lot of those Tunisian, North African spices and making fried fish and sauces that you can either dip into or kind of sprinkle a drizzle all over the top. So for the curry, the first thing is we've got our, our garlic cloves. Uh, you can hand chop them. I hand chop them. I'm a professional chef though, so I know that takes a lot longer. It's also really easy to throw a bunch of garlic cloves, peeled of course, in a food processor and just pulse them, scrape the sides of the bowl with a spatula until you get like that fine Consistency that How do you, you feel want? about um, using uh, like a microplane? So a microplane is fine. I feel like that's just as much work for how much we need in Got this it. scenario yeah. as if you're chopping it. Because we're going through, I basically took two cups of peeled garlic cloves and chopped them, minced them down into about two thirds of a cup of minced. Wow. Which is a lot. And this sauce will probably give you a little more than you need for like one recipe. Right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of you the great thing about this recipe food. is yeah, you could take the, the the Tunisian curry or the avocado labne and you could just cool them down or cool the curry down, put it in your refrigerator. It's great as like a hot sauce condiment too. Put it on some like some chicken, like a turkey sandwich. You just gotta like stir it up a little bit. Got it. So we place a medium sized sauce pot or so over, what are you, like medium like high? like a medium, medium heat. Basically, I, I heated the pan up a little bit, added the oil. I'm just kind of like looking to see that it's, it's registering a little bit of heat because this is going to be like a longer process. So I like to start this earlier. So have all, so as uh, chef did his roll call, you know, of spices, he has this oil in the sauce pot. So if you haven't done that, do that now. And is there like a visually? You'll see like ripples in the oil a little bit when it's starting to get hot. Yeah. But for me, if it's warm enough and it's not ice cold, we're good to put the garlic in there because what we're really trying to do is slowly cook this garlic. So, and if this thing starts smoking, like remove it probably. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. remove it, and burn. I would probably dump out some of that oil into a metal container yeah. 
to cool down and then add some some room temperature oil just to drop that temperature very quickly. Oh, good tip. Yeah, you always want to like just be really careful. So we've also got a whisk on hand because a whisk is really great for stirring because it's going to move everything in the pot around a lot. I'm going to add all my garlic and you can hear it start to sizzle already. But you're now, right, it's not like, you know, it's not overly hot where it is turning brown right away. It's just kind of like yeah, infusing just, the oil almost. And, and you know, I'm going to like swirl it a little bit to move it around. But it's also really great to just use that whisk. I like to use like a small little 8 to 10 inch whisk and just move it around. The garlic can stick to the bottom of the pan too. And then I'm gonna really turn that temperature low because what I'm trying to do is cook this garlic so that it starts to caramelize and get a little bit clear, opaque color as opposed to the, the bright white yellow when it's raw. And at that point, I know that it's cooked enough that I can add more stuff. So I'm just gonna keep whisking it for a little bit. At this stage, you really don't wanna walk away. Sometimes my cooks will make this in very, very large batches and they will walk away and come back and the garlic is just burnt. You have to start wow. over. There's no saving burnt garlic. Over. But as long as you start over early enough, you don't waste all your spices and everything else right. too, you know? We heard this tip uh, last round of cook tracks from uh, Chef Rocco Despirito when he was making his risotto. He had talked about, you know, he started, you know, sweating out the onions and garlic and he's like, listen, if that thing burns, can't really oh, it just that. has that burnt, acrid yeah. taste to it. Everything's going to taste like burnt garlic. Yeah, it's no good. It's really unappealing. So we're just like building a base at this point. Got trying it. Trying to get... Still stirring. Um, a good amount of fragrance coming out of the pot. Still moving it around a little bit. It smells delicious. So while this is kind of rendering a little bit, we can talk about spices yeah which for us is very important i love spices i think that if you don't use enough spices you're really not cooking because like you can really elevate your game with a few simple things most of the time a lot of things that are like seeds we're buying whole and we grind fresh and we have like a little coffee grinder like a tabletop one and we grind all of our spices as we need them as opposed to buying ground spices. And the burr or the blade that grinds them creates friction. And that actually toasts the spices and gives it an aroma. And what you're really trying to do with spices is you're trying to capture that aroma into something else. Whether it's like marinating or seasoning a piece of chicken or, or steak, or you're putting it inside of a, a curry like we are. So our spices, you know, we're buying spices directly from Indonesia or India or Thailand or Egypt, but we are also grinding coriander and cumin and caraway fresh as we need it. And that really like means that we also use less spices because they're more potent. Mm. And then uh, we're really capturing as much of the flavor as we can. And, and that's, a, that's an interesting point because it's a, 
easier way to add more flavor to a dish at home. And like Chef mentioned, these coffee grinders or spice grinders, they're like readily available yeah, at mean, a Bed Bath & Beyond or a department Amazon store, Amazon, and they're not, yeah, they're not that expensive. And it's a great way. And, and by buying those, you know, holes, when you buy ground spices, you never really know when those were ground, quite frankly. True. And so they're not that potent. And I've kind of learned that lesson with like pepper as well. I always buy whole peppercorns and put it into a grinder because yeah. it's just more and That's the easiest thing fresh. in the world, right? Yeah. I think that um, people don't really necessarily understand how a lot of those groceries for spices, how long they are sitting ground up in some sort of container. Yeah. It is for months, if not, yeah. you know, almost years sometimes. Yeah. So we're getting like so, a really know, so we've been mixing for like over four minutes now and low heat starting to get a little bit golden brown. It's not, you know, it bubbled probably when you first put it in, but it's kind of slowly coming to temperature. And it looks like Chef is gradually pulling it off the heat and getting ready to add spices. Yeah, so I've got the all the spices except for the salt. So the caraway, the coriander the cumin, the cayenne. Now you can omit the cayenne if you're not a big spicy person. Okay. It's totally okay. I like spicy, yeah. like I said, I'm from the South, so I put a lot of hot sauce on stuff. So look, it's gonna, I mean, it looks like a lot of spices added to it, and it is, but you're essentially, you're yes. making a curry. I'm essentially making a curry. I mean, there's, like, this is how people cook all over the world, yeah. is they have some sort of fat, like oil, they're adding some sort of aromatic like garlic or onion or whatever and then you add all these spices and then it develops this rich flavor and the oil is hot so what's happening when the spices of the oil the aroma is being released because it's warming and it's being captured in the oil and now you're basically making a flavored oil yeah and so just to clarify when when chef pulled that pot off the heat to add the spices it's still off the heat so he's stirring those spices in with that pot off the heat. Yeah, and I'm just going, I'm gonna stir this for a couple minutes, okay. like pretty pretty religiously with a whisk, just to kind of make sure it's moving around. Those spices, they're ground, like they will settle in the bottom of the pot. So I'm gonna move them around for a little bit, and then <clears throat> the next thing that I'm gonna do is gonna seem really crazy, but I'm gonna add, after about two minutes of stirring, I'm gonna add, all of the, pretty much all of the tomato paste that I've got, which is I think about two thirds of a cup. This is gonna be a little trickier, but I'm gonna stir all that tomato paste until it looks like it's no longer dissolved. And I'm gonna turn the heat on to like a very low simmer again. So pop back over super low heat, whisking that tomato paste, and it the whole mixture at this point looks more like a paste. Yeah, this looks more more like the tomato paste than the oil. And what I'm trying to do now, I love tomato paste. I think it's an incredible ingredient. There's like a raw taste that tomato paste has, and I'm trying to cook that out. So I've got hot oil and I've got the spices, and that's gonna help the tomato paste from sticking to the bottom of the pan. But I do need to like mix it every so often. 
So I have a question as, as you're mixing this over low heat. You mentioned you were adding everything but the salt. Is there a reason why you didn't add the salt? So with I'm going to add things? the salt at the end because the salt isn't really going to dissolve very well in the oil and the spices. Interesting. And the tomato paste, I could add it in now, yeah. but I always find that salt goes really well with liquids like water or lemon juice or whatever. So I'm going to add it with the water at the end to make sure that, because I use uh, like a pretty crunchy kosher salt so that, that dissolves really evenly throughout the sauce. And you can kind of hear it a little bit, but it is a little sizzling as the tomato paste is cooking. But we can let that hang for a second. But you don't want to, this is over like pretty low heat and you, mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily want to like crank it up to, there's, don't rush this. Don't rush it because rushing it at, at any point in this, you're going to get, Something's gonna burn. Yeah. Tomato paste or garlic or spices. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to see a little sizzle like on the edges of the mixture. Mm -hmm. Good things take time, Kevin. Yeah, this is true, Zach. So we can move on to the dredge. So move on to the dredge. Don't, don't forget about that um, curry, but again, low heat, so it shouldn't be going anywhere. Yeah, it should be okay. So for the dredge, I've got flour and cornstarch and cornmeal. Flour will help stick really, really nicely to the fish. The cornstarch will give it that extra little pop when it goes in the deep fryer. And the cornmeal gives it like that little bit of grit that gives it some texture because it's kind of boring if you just do flour and cornstarch on fish. Because fish is so soft that you want it to have like a little bit of texture to it. So we're gonna, just gonna dump everything in the bowl. Got my flour, got my cornstarch, cornmeal, salt and sugar. The sweetness of the sugar goes really nicely with the catfish. Uh, it also helps to caramelize the crust. So it gets a little bit crispier. And then, like I said, we, we talk about, we use a lot of spices at Galit. And one of my favorite things to add into fried foods is turmeric. It's like a good, bright, golden yellow turmeric. Adds a earthy, meaty quality to things. And it, it just, it's really important to like season all of your food with every step of the way. Yeah. Every layer, it's really important because you wanna really develop strong flavors. Are you using turmeric more for color or flavor or both here? I mean, in this, in this application, it will have a good amount of color, but more for flavor. Yeah. I feel like I like that like rooty turmeric root flavor. So I'm turning around right now and I'm gonna stir up my pot a little bit. Just a Still looking like a minutes. thick paste. Yep, still looking like a thick paste. What are you looking, so you, so you just have to add the water and the salt for this to kind of come together, but what are you, like, what are you waiting for? What are you so looking for? So I'm letting the tomato will start to turn a little bit, the tomato paste will, it'll start to turn a little darker. Okay. Right now it's like a deep red, yeah. almost like a, like a blood red. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for more of like a garnet color okay. with it, like almost brown. And that all indicates to me that the tomato paste is kind of caramelizing becoming less raw yeah and i know i keep saying this but i want to keep stressing it low heat really slow low. bubble you don't want to burn it they're as low as you can possibly get your range 
So I'm gonna use a whisk to mix up the dredge. And I'm just stirring. By the way, like this to break is all the for the dredge. Stuff. Like these ingredients added to a bowl, whisked together, and, and that's your dredge. That's it. Super simple. Um, it's just about a good ratio. Try your best to follow the measurements because they do work. Um, Go your, figure. Your turmeric will look like it totally disappeared. But what's crazy is when you fry it, the, you dredge the fish in the dredge, and then you fry it, it will come out pretty yellow, which is pretty cool. So I'm uh, just stirring it around and really trying to break up all the big clumps that might be in there. So that I get a nice even coating on my fish. And that's it, set it aside. If you want, you can make a big batch of this at a time. You know, because no one buys a third of a cup of cornstarch at a time. Right. So you can make a big batch of this, put it in a Ziploc bag or a sealed plastic container, put it on your shelf. Yeah. You can use it for chicken. You can dredge some potatoes in it and throw those in a little pan. That's or awesome. Up. So this, you so you could almost, if you're planning on making this dish, you could almost like mix these ingredients, these five ingredients or six ingredients together also the day before or night before, just so you're ready to rock. Not that it's yeah. that big of a step, but. I think, I think a lot, like for this recipe, I think it'd be great if you felt compelled to make this multiple times. You could make the Tunisian curry a good enough of a batch, maybe a two times or a three times batch at home keep it in your fridge. It's not gonna go bad because the garlic's cooked and everything else is oil, water, and spices. Yeah. And then use it the next week. And all you gotta do is get fish and stuff your avocado lobney. You've got your dredge already ready to go, yeah. super easy. So I'm turning around again, I'm stirring this pot up a little bit. The Tunisian curry is looking pretty good. So I think I'm at the point where I'm gonna add the water and the salt because once I add the water and the salt, it's gonna cook for a really long time. We've got like a darker brown color. Nothing really smells burnt or anything, so we did that really well. Uh, and I'm gonna add the water and the salt. And I'm whisking it up so that everything- It's like a rust Dissolves really color. well. Yeah, it's got like a dark rust color. Yeah. Um, like the kind of rust that's been around for a long time. <laughs> Not like a new rust, like a real yeah. old rust. Aged, aged rust. Aged rust. So this is, kind of looks almost like thickened. Yeah. Like before it was like a paste and oil and it was like very loose. Yeah. When you add the water, the tomato paste helps to like bind the oil to the water. And so now it looks like a ketchup. Yeah, it that's, almost a, that's the consistency right. of ketchup. So if you're if you're curious if, if it's right or wrong or thin or thick, that's a ketchup's perfect. a good gauge. ketchup. Ketchup, ketchup barbecue sauce. Yeah, we made Tunisian barbecue sauce today. So I've still got this on really low heat, and I'm gonna let this cook for like another like ten minutes on a low flame, just to kind of help it develop some flavor, and then I'm gonna taste it and check for seasoning on it. Uh, like I said, I like it a little spicy. So we could add a little water, you could add a little lemon juice, maybe a little bit more salt, that kind of thing. So um, next thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I've got a, like a 12 inch skillet and I'm gonna put it over like a medium heat. Okay. This is to cook the fish. Correct. Awesome. And so I think a lot of people take a lot longer to cook 
like in their home kitchens because they don't do things that chefs do. So like I started with my longest process item, the Tunisian curry first. And, and now that that's done, I'm ready to fry my fish. My dredge is ready. My lobney is ready. So I staged every step to make sure that like I could fry the fish and would have a complete dish ready to go. The other thing is if you're cooking in a pan on the stove, you can preheat your pans over a low, medium, low, medium heat, depending on what you're cooking, so that you don't have to stand there and wait with a bunch of chopped vegetables or whatever in order to cook your food quickly. That'll save you a bunch of time. So I've got so you you should have your prepped four fish. cups of canola oil for this twelve inch skillet. I think it kind of really depends on if you want to just do a little bit of a sear on your fish, or if you want to kind of shallow fry them. I am more of a shallow fry kind of guy. I think it's actually easier to cook fish in a shallow fry than it is. So I used two cups, which is what the recipe says but feel free to use however little you want. And then we've got our fish um, that's sliced up into, you know, they're pretty thin slices. They're about a half an inch thick. They're about two inches on each side. So they're like, you know, it's like sushi fish. And we see the ripples in the pan ready to go. I like to use gloves when I'm dealing with fish or chicken or whatever, especially like if you're going into a batter, so it can like stick on your hands and then it's like really annoying and then you wash your hands yeah. and then you get them wet and then you put them back in the batter. So I have gloves at home and I get them on Amazon and I love using them if I'm handling raw poultry or anything like that. But for, I mean, someone at home, like a home cook cooking along with you, they may, could, if they use a tongs or something, Maybe yeah, be careful because fish can. is more delicate. I, I personally think that as human beings, we are much are better best tool. with yeah. our hands than yeah. we are with other things. Yeah. And so I always find it really funny when you want to dirty like a utensil for like a two second thing as opposed to just, like putting on a glove. Yeah. Or if you're cool with not putting on a glove and washing your hands. But I'm like, I'm more of like a put a glove on sure. kind of guy. And if you don't have a glove, again, as Chef said, just... Wash your hands after. Paratons. So our fish, we've taken these thin slices and we've seasoned them uh, with salt and pepper. So I've got our fish and I am taking it and I'm kind of just like not putting, I've got this 12 inch mixing bowl with the dredge in it and I've put six pieces of fish in here because what I don't want to do is dump all 12 to 16 ounces of catfish in here because then they'll get clumpy. So, so I'm trying so you're gonna to be most likely cooking this in batches. Yeah. Also you could, yeah, if you have a deep uh, tabletop fryer, then you could cook almost all of it at once, but in a skillet, probably two to three batches, but you can pre bread them. So you can take them six in the bowl at a time, place them on, a tray and then in the same way you can put another six in the bowl and I'm really coating them really well Cappy I'm really like trying to get every nook and cranny of the fish covered in the dredge and I'm really like 
tossing them, I'm flipping them up and down, sprinkling a little bit on top of each piece, moving them around a bunch. I really want to coat them. The more you get on there, the crispier your fish will be. Got it. And as as you're doing this dredge, just a reminder, your, your pan with the oil is sitting over medium heat and you're looking for that light ripple effect. Or if someone wants to be like super duper safe in terms of like a, the oil temperature, you're looking for about 350 or so or? Yeah, about 350. It's a safe bet. I think that like with the fish slice this thin, you know, you're really looking for color on the crust the fish is going to cook so you stick your thermometer in the oil be careful Should yeah you want to make sure too when you use a thermometer like a fry thermometer that you stick the the thermometer in not touching the pan you just want it to like be inside the oil at the deepest part preferably in the middle so you can see what the temperature is. And if you don't have a thermometer, safe is there a safe way for people to make Here's sure Here's a great way off? is you can take a little bit of your dredge. Like a pinch of the dredge. And you can sprinkle it in. And if it's sizzling. Then you're pretty good to go. Awesome. So I'm going to um, stow with that gloved hand. Just because it's going to be easier. Tongs are great to use too. I'm gonna take the fish and I'm gonna get really close to this pan with my tray of battered fish. And I'm gonna very gently lay them in the pan and I'm gonna start by dropping the fish with one side closest towards me and moving my hand away from me. And that way it will only splash away from me. It won't splash towards me. Because if I start dropping it from the far side of the pan towards me, hot oil is gonna splash directly at me. So, so hopefully that makes sense to everyone. As you lay it in the pan, kinda lay it down and then like lay it away from you rather than swinging it towards you. Yeah. So I had that oil cappy at about 370 to 375 when I started, because as soon as you get stuff in that pan, the temperature is gonna drop 20 to 30 degrees. And it's on such a low flame, it's gonna like maintain that range of like 340 to 380, but it's immediately getting crispy. And you can see with my tongs, I can move them around. And what I want to do is I want to flip each piece about 30 seconds into it because you're going to have some of that dredge on the fish, on the top side of the piece of fish. And all that's going to happen is if you don't, if it's like coated in a little bit of oil, but it's floating, it'll get really soggy. So I've got like a crust on the bottom side and I'm going to bring that up to the top after about 30 seconds. And then the top side is now the bottom and that's going to get crispy. That's a really good way to like make sure that you get really crispy fish. And this isn't a long cook. No, this will take, you know, depending on your oil temp, this will take anywhere from three to five minutes. So, so are you, you know, typically speaking, if you're pan frying, deep frying something, you're looking for like this nice golden brown, but are you necessarily looking for that with this? Yeah, so this you will are. actually get like, it will get golden brown in like a hue. It won't really get golden brown like 
like Popeye's fried chicken. I was going to say like fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Just because um, the turmeric in there is going to keep it very yellow. And we don't cook it for that long. You know, you usually cook chicken for almost 10 minutes, especially with dark meat. So for us doing about half the time means that it will be golden brown, but we also don't want to cook, overcook the fish because it's very delicate. So I've also got myself set up over here, Cappy. I've got a little tray with some paper towels in it. Um, I'm using it currently to hold my tongs. And I've also got a, a, a spatula, like a, it's called a fish spatula. It's like a regular spatula, but it's got perforations in it so that the, you can drain the oil off when you pick up your fish. You can use either one. The thing is just to be really delicate when you're moving your stuff around, because if you puncture that crust, it'll slide right off from your fish while it's frying. So I've got the tray, I'm using it to hold my utensils, but when my fish is cooked, I'm gonna use that to strain all the oil off of the fish. We're still going here a little bit. This is good stuff. All right, so this is awesome. So the Tunisian curry is so still lightly, lightly is bubbling away. Bubbling away. I have I just turned off the heat. Okay. Because I feel like everything is like pretty well seasoned at this point. You know what's crazy? You said you let it go for about ten minutes, and that was exactly, exactly ten minutes. Exactly ten minutes. Great. So I think that num that um, that amount of time could change yeah. based off of like your your stove. pot, yeah. your stove, how low you can get it. Sure. Um, ours are pretty powerful. So hold the hate mail for Zach if, uh, yeah, you know, yours is done at eight minutes or maybe even 12. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the times people really tend to tend to get really aggressive when they're in the kitchen. They want things to happen for them really quickly. Yeah. And it's much easier if you sit back and enjoy yourself and just be a little focused and, like, be patient. That's always my... My, my approach with the cooks is like, slow down. It's like, do this the way that we're supposed to do it. Like, we don't need to hammer the pan on a high heat to get the result. We can take our time, you know, maybe listen to some music. So I'm flipping these every minute or so, mostly just because in the shallow fry, there's some, some of the fish kind of like is not fully submerged all the time. So I want to like make sure that all the sides are crispy and it's nice and cooked all the way through. You know, I also think that people should really enjoy cooking and not make it a chore. And so if you do things while you're cooking that are more enjoyable, like being really organized and thoughtful about how you're approaching your dish or your dishes and putting on some music or a podcast or you are like doing it with a friend or loved ones it makes it more enjoyable and yeah. then you feel it feel it feels like you can be more patient yeah which is you nice. make you make cooking look and sound relaxing which i think you have a point like it should be you know i also cook for like we cook for you know two to three hundred people a night at galit yeah. and so if i'm cooking for a couple people i'm doing it um not because it's my job i'm doing it because i like doing it yeah and so that's a little bit more of my approach is different when I'm at work and when I'm at home. So we're looking really great. I think we're ready to pull these guys off. You can you can kind of see we've got like some edges of the fish are really nice and crispy and golden brown. And 
I'm going to use that slotted spatula and I'm going to go once again from the front of the pan to the back of the pan. And I'm going to lift up one at a time. And that's really good. Pull all, I've got six pieces in there and I've got six coming out. Now here's really, really important to just step your game up while you're cooking fried fish. I've got all my fish set aside on this tray. It is hot, don't get me wrong, but I'm gonna take a little bit of salt and sprinkle it over the top. And then I'm gonna flip each piece very gently and I'm gonna season the other side with just a little bit of salt. You can take this same fish and you could season it with anything you want. You could take a similar spice blend to what we did earlier with the Tunisian curry and just sprinkle some of that on top and give your fish like a little kick. And like you said, it's important to do that almost like immediately, immediately out of the pot yeah. of the cook. And you can use tongs to flip your fish, you know, a little bit of tongs or like a spoon to flip it over, but you want to get salt on all sides. Question, at this point, the fish is all out of the oil. The oil's still at medium heat. So if you cook, depending on how many people you're cooking for, you you could do this in batches. You never want to crowd that pan. You want the fish right. to be able to swim have a little, little bit. Of room. So do it in batches. And if you're doing it in batches, and you have this batch done, can I put it like in a super low, like under yeah, 200 degree? Yeah, so you can put oven? it in like a 200 degree oven, preferably on like a like a resting rack for cookies. Yeah. Or and that'll um, keep it warm just on while some towels, you, okay. paper towels, and that'll keep and it that'll warm. Keep while it you do warm. That. But the best thing about this fish is like the crust actually stays pretty crispy because you got this cornstarch in it yeah. and you can keep it warm for a little while. But this is one of those things that you want to like serve pretty immediately. Yeah. Awesome. So we're looking so looking good. So you have your avocado lebna is done. You could serve that alongside in a little, you know, ramekin or dish. And then the Tunisian curry um, is done. It's sitting in this pot off. Scoop that out into a little dish too as another dipping sauce. Yeah. And then you can also fish. take your sauces and you can just like spread the Tunisian curry down on the bottom of a large plate. Nice. Put all your fried fish on top and then just kind of like drizzle a bunch of your avocado labne on top of that. And everyone can kind of like dig in family style too. Yeah. And then for that third uh, dip from, from Chef, the tahina, again, if you go to cooktracks.com, you'll find that. I'm not gonna do the good old take a bite and say, mmm, this is so good, because at this point, you can try it too, and yours should, you know, come out just as well, if not better. Probably better. Than Chef Zach's. Awesome, man, well, thank you. There, fried fish, Tunisian curry, Chef Zach Angle from Galit Restaurant in Chicago. If you do, if you do go ahead and make this at home, or if you are making it, take a picture, Hashtag Cook Tracks or on Instagram at Cook Tracks is the handle. And let us know how yours came out. Thanks, Chef. Thank you. Appreciate it. Whether you just listen for fun or you actually cooked along with us, we thank you. 
If you did cook this recipe, take a pic and tag it with hashtag CookTracks. Let us know how it came out because we want to see it. Keep up to date with us on Instagram at CookTracks or at CookTracks.com. CookTracks is cooked up by my friends, Cappy, Ian Cohen, and Charlie DiGiello. And sometimes they let me, Rachel Ray, help out too. With editing from Joel Yeaton. Music has been composed by Jeffrey David Coltford. Please rate and review or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Cook Tracks. We've got your back in the kitchen. Hey, everyone, you still there? All right, good. Here's a little bonus sauce action for you from Chef Zach. It's his avocado labneh. For the avocado labneh, we've got our preserved lemons, our avocados, our quarter cup of labneh. You can also use Greek yogurt if you would like. If you can't find labneh, I prefer labneh 100% of the time, every time. And then a splash of lemon juice and a little bit of salt. So we're going to start the process of getting our avocado labneh ready to go. So I've got, for my avocado labneh. Can you just like give me this super quick elevator pitch of explaining to people that may not know, what is labneh? So labneh is very much like Greek yogurt. It's a strained yogurt, so it's much thicker and much richer. It uses usually like a whole milk yogurt with specific type of bacteria um, that is like really salty and cheesy. And it's a really great way to add rich, healthy fats to foods instead of like sour cream. Because it's so thick, it doesn't make your food really watery, which sometimes like sour cream or creme fraiche can do. I love it. In the morning with a little bit of salt and olive oil on top on a piece of bread, that's all you need. That's it. Yeah, that's that's delicious. It's Middle Eastern cream cheese. I like that. All right, avocado labneh. Avocado labneh. So uh, this is really easy. I think that this is great as a condiment on a lot of things. It's really not different from guacamole. Super simple. We're gonna do is we're gonna take a blender and we're gonna just put everything into the blender, very very simply. So I've got my labneh, and that's gonna go into the bottom of the blender. My lemon juice. And I like to put the liquid stuff in the bottom of the blender because it helps for anything that's solid above it, like an avocado or like, I don't know, what else do people blend? Like roasted vegetables into a puree, you know, it'll help everything spin a little bit easier and puree faster. And then preserved lemons are key to Middle Eastern food. And so we use a lot of them. We use them as like a base to season things to add like a little bit more flavor. You can get them at like a Whole Foods or like a lot of grocery stores or a local Middle Eastern grocery. Uh, I'm sure you could get them online. They're not necessary for this to be delicious, but they do add a little bit of depth of flavor. What's the flavor of a preserved lemon? It's like a salty, sour, funky lemon. You don't want to use the pith. 
like the inside. Use the peel, use which the is peel different. Only, it, which is but the don't opposite. use the peel of a raw. Don't lemon. yeah, you don't want to like use a raw. This preserved lemon, lemon has peel. been packed in like a what a salt, bunch of sugar salt. is. Yes, yeah, usually salt, salt, a little bit of sugar, some spices, yeah. and it, what it does, it softens the peel and almost like pickles the peel. But the inside, where the juice is, is like not very delicious once yeah. it's been preserved, and um, it's really like gritty. So I cut the lemons down like in half, scoop out the inside, and then just kind of chop finely the preserved lemon. So we're gonna dump our preserved lemon in the blender. And I've got my three avocados, and I'm gonna slice them around, you know, end to end. Take the pit, pits out. And then very like simply just using a, using a spoon, just scooping out those avocados. Really important too, buy, buy very ripe avocados for this. You don't wanna try and puree rock hard avocados, it's probably gonna break your blender. <laughs> that seems common sense. Also, if you ever have like a fruit, like an avocado or a banana or a tomato or like a persimmon, which usually come very underripe in a grocery store and you need to ripen them, if you have a very ripe fruit and you put the unripe fruit and the ripe fruit in a container together, like a plastic container or like a brown paper bag and close it up and let it sit for a day, it'll ripen a lot quicker than if you just leave it on a shelf. Tip alert. Tip alert, pro tip. So we've got so all, all the ingredients of our stuff in, in the, the blender. blender. So ideally you wanna use a high powered blender um, is ideal if you need to use the tamper sometimes that comes with the blender. Um, that's what Chef was doing, tampering that down and getting it super smooth. And he's gonna kick it into super high gear here so you may not be able to hear us, but he's gonna let that rip for as long as he can. Maybe 30 seconds or so could be a little less, a little more, but what you're looking for is a super duper smooth consistency because as this rips in the blender, you're, you're incorporating some air so it's gonna give it this beautiful, light, smooth texture. And I always like to start on a really low speed. It's going. So, uh, this is supposed to be like a very thick avocado type mousse consistency. So it helps if you are having a hard time where everything's not catching and blending really well. Um, I like to just kind of scrape the sides of the bowl down of the blender and then try and turn it on again so it catches really well. 
And then once it catches, what I'll do after it's like kind of become a little bit more pureed, but not totally, then I'll add my salt. I don't want to really add my salt in like right away. And I, I usually like season this to taste a little bit. Because every avocado is different. It needs a little bit more or less salt all the time. So, uh, I know the blender's on, but what's happening right now in the blender is now it's it's gotten to a point where it's like very smooth and I'm gonna let it go for as long as I can to get it as smooth as possible. The recipe works so that it's exactly enough liquid to puree the avocado. And when you use a blender, you're also like, like whipping air really fast into whatever you're, you're pureeing if it's on a very high speed. And so you get this like super airy, delicious, almost mayonnaise-y consistency of something like this. And that is really delicious, like to dip stuff into chips or fried fish. All right, that looks good. So the avocado blob mang, is super smooth. It's got like a nice Miami pastel green there you go. color. That's a new Crayola on. color. Yeah, it's a Crayola. It's a new Crayola color. And you can in this and will this? I know sometimes avocado like guacamole may turn brown. Will something like this turn so in the fridge? It it could. Okay. The way that I would store this is I would take this right now if I'm not going to use it immediately with our fish, and I would put it into a container. And because it's pureed, it like will pack in really nicely and tightly into a container and then put a piece of plastic wrap just over the top and smooth it out so that there's no air touching it and then seal that container with the lid. Got it. And then it should keep because there's a lot of lemon juice in there and that should help it from oh, browning. Right. So, so just to be like super duper clear, if you're not familiar with this, this is a great tip actually if you're making, you know, guacamole and you need it to sit for an hour or so in the fridge. Um, ideally, you're not letting it sit overnight. But he, Chef mentioned take a piece of plastic wrap. He's literally means set the plastic wrap on the actual sauce to prevent air from hitting it. So plastic wrap, kind of pat it down on the sauce and then lid over that container. And this, I mean, this makes a pretty good amount, as you see. So you may not necessarily yeah, use about, all of it. It makes about two cups. Yeah. Two but this is, cups. I mean, this is delicious stuff that you could use the next day with vegetables, with chicken, with, with anything, really. If you're really tired of guacamole, this is a great thing to sub out for guacamole. Yeah. Dip chips, dip pita, you know, anything in there. Use it as a spread on a sandwich. This is, this is, this is good stuff. All right, so this is awesome. Okay, okay, we're really done now, I promise. No, wait, just kidding. 
But seriously, if you do go to cooktracks.com, you'll find one more sauce recipe from Chef Zach because he actually serves this fried fish dish in his restaurant with three dipping sauces. So on the website is his recipe for how he makes tahina. And then you will have the trifecta from the fried fish, the Tunisian curry, avocado labneh, and tahina. <laughs> 